in order to give you a hint about what we're exploring today, I am wearing pool party attire with just the hint of gimp mask. <laughs> I've just got my full, very normal scuba diving gear on with no strange additions. That's fine. That's fine. As long as you're comfortable, that's the whole point. <laughs> Hello and welcome to All The Way Through Series 2, Episode 2. My name is Matthew DeMiles and I'm joined by Alex Watson. Hello, Alex. Hello. Hello. What are we doing here today? We're journeying through the whole Louis Theroux back catalogue to find out whether we still love him as much as we thought we did. Yeah, we've just been locked in a room since uh, the start of the year, constantly watching Louis Theroux episodes. I don't want to think about being locked in a room while we're discussing this episode, actually. (laughs) Is it a particular room that springs to mind? Because it also springs to my mind. Yes, there is plenty of sinister rooms. We're in the world of swingers. The apparently very normal suburban world of swingers, if Luther is to be believed. Absolutely. The middle class pastime of the 90s, if you were in the Southern California area, seemed to be swinging the idea of going to parties where you come as a couple potentially or you go alone and you mix with people who are also in relationships in a a sexual manner. I don't know how I described that. That was terrible. But I think that kind of gets it across. (laughs) I think that the term swingers probably brings to mind parties with car keys and bowls. And this is not really that in some ways it's a lot more wholesome than that and in some ways it's a lot more disturbing than that yeah this whole subculture seems to tread a fine line between at moments quite pleasant quite domestic and then other times being a little bit over the line of comfort even for louis himself i think as a spoiler alert we will find out So, as you said, it's set in Southern California, and the main characters of this episode are Gary and Margaret, who are a couple who host swinging parties themselves at their home, and we come back to them throughout the entire episode. And in some ways, it's strange for Lou through a documentary, I think, because they are so much of a focus. There aren't that many where he spends this much time with the same people. Yeah, it's funny because we often break these things down scene by scene, and the amount of times I wrote, back to Gary and Margaret's house was <laughs> was quite extensive. It feels a bit like a sitcom. <laughs> yeah, it does. It, it has about three sets that they can go to. And one is definitely Gary and Margaret's house. So when they're introduced, Gary is described as working for a large corporation who will remain nameless. I would love to be watching an episode of Louis Theroux and then my boss appears <laughs> to reveal that he's a swinger. It doesn't name the corporation, but if you were going to guess, I think Gary looks like he could work at Microsoft. I could imagine him dancing on stage with Bill Gates at a launch party in the 90s. Do you think that some of his personal interests, which we'll get to later, might dictate what he does as a job? Oh, that's a good point. Maybe we can try and solve the clues as we go along. Yeah. My knee jerk is some kind of hardware store, like a big chain like B&Q or whatever the equivalent of that is in America. Homeware Depot or something, yeah. And he does prove that he's quite into DIY as well, so... But is that a pastime more than an occupation? Who knows? Funnily enough, Margaret is then given the job title Homemaker, (laughs) which is just a really funny term. Maybe she did make the home from scratch, you never know. The home is a very big part, not just Gary and Margaret themselves, but the house is is very much a, a kind of character in this documentary as well. It is a bit like a sitcom house as well. 
It's a classic American suburbs. You dream of having the white picket fence and then inviting lots of strangers over to get naked in the rumpus room. Exactly. The locked doors behind those white picket fences. Instantly, Louis meets Margaret on the front porch of her house. And they have this weird interaction where Louis says, Are you Margaret? And she says, Yeah. And then Louis replies, No. Are you? Which is just, surely he knows who she is. I guess maybe he's expecting someone, like, is he expecting her to be a bit of a femme fatale dressed in a see-through dressing gown? Yeah, or a full PVC suit. Maybe representative of everyone, but I think Louis clearly has his mind made up about what he thinks swingers are before he's arrived at Margaret and Gary's. So in the build-up, we're told that this is the kind of normal suburban middle-class couple. Gary has on a yellow piped vest. He has a full beard. Uh, is I don't mean to be uh, rude, but he is balding. He's a man with a receding hairline. That's fine. There's a lot of men out there. I have written down, looks a bit like a late-era beach boy. And then Margaret is dressed in what I only can describe as athleisure. Kind of like going to Disneyland athleisure. Yeah, yeah, definite Florida mum vibes. So they're maybe not the sort of young, sexy, swinging couple that you're hoping for, but I think that Louis is trying to point out that actually most of these people are just normal people that you see at your job at B&Q because they're your manager. They hold the swinging parties at Gary and Margaret's house. So the first thing to do when Louis arrives is to get the full tour. And Gary says that they take quite a lot of pride in decorating the house and getting things in for the parties. And they go to a lot of yard sales. I thought yard sales was going to be some sort of weird swingers euphemism for some sort of, I don't know, massive sale on PVC clothing. But actually, they are just talking about real normal yard sales. Yeah, and they just seem to be collecting like potted plants. So we go on the house tour with Gary, and Louis says, you've done a lot of work to the house. The house was not (laughs) that impressive. There was a lot of clutter. Mismatch, decoration. Yeah. Yeah. The kitchen was a bit studenty. It looked like halls in that kitchen. Yeah, and and the collection of posters and things, again, quite a studenty vibe. Yeah, well, that's it. First, we go to the group room which is uh, pretty self-explanatory what, what the purpose of that is. But it is a room with mattresses on the floor, sofas all the way around, and then a collection of sci-fi posters and magazines on the wall. Lots of Patrick Stewart. Yeah, this is the thing that bothered me, is that Louis says it's a bit of a space theme in here, indicating the magazines with Patrick Stewart on them. And Gary said that he hopes to eventually do the room up as a full Star Wars-themed room. Even I know that it's Star Trek. That's a great shout. And he's clearly a fan as well because he has several pictures of Patrick Stewart. That's not just one. What a rookie error. So Louis says this could be the Star Wars room, but also refers to it as the orgy room. Which Gary agrees with. (laughs) Gary agrees with. And Louis asks a very practical question about cleanliness. Gary says they put out a lot of towels and then says something horrendous with the word fluid in it. I realised as soon as I saw the orgy room again that this scene makes me really uncomfortable. I really don't like the idea of that room with all the duvets that could be hiding all kinds of stains. Again, it's very, like you said, studenty. 
almost like it could be a childhood bedroom that's not been properly renovated. Not necessarily the sort of place where you'd feel in the mood for an orgy. I don't know. No, well, the whole thing is very homely. I think that's almost the kind of vibe that Gary and Margaret go for. This is a comfortable suburban setting more than it is a sex dungeon. There is definitely sex dungeons on premises, but this is not it. Before before we get to the sex dungeon, Louis sort of starts to ask Gary about the etiquette of joining in with a group during a swinger party. Louis asks... So let's say yeah. I come in here and I'm interested in what's going on. Can mm-hmm. I just dive in? Gary says no. No, not not specifically no. no. But then Louis, Louis asks if he was stroking someone's hand, for example, or thigh, and then wanted to go on to stroke one of their primary erogenous zones, which is how he says it. Would that be all right? And Gary says yes. That would be all right. So we're a bit unclear on the rules. On the consent message. But I think Gary does say afterwards, if someone was to move your hand away, you have to take that as written that they are not willing to let you touch their erogenous zones, quote unquote. I liked Gary's phrase for how you get involved was to say, Would anybody mind if I if I join in a little bit? Just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is exactly how you would imagine Louis through asking you if he could have group sex with you, I guess. Very polite. Yeah, he does kind of mimic Louis' dialogue there. The tour continues to another bedroom. The setup for this is great. You kind of just see a close-up of Louis and Gary and Louis saying, so there's a lot of snorkels and scuba gear in here. Is it a diving theme in this room? And then the camera pulls back to reveal... (laughs) (laughs) what looks more like a gas mask with a massive dildo attached to it where the nose would be which gary reveals was worn by a lady at the last party and he says she was a lot of fun he sounds almost proud of her i really hope he cleaned that out well every time he does seem a little bit sheepish about the snorkeling side of it he says that this room is where he keeps all of his rubber and fetish collection, which is what Gary is super into. One of the interesting bits I thought was when Louis asks, what's the appeal of the rubber? And Gary replies, it's psychological. I've always been kind of interested by this. So there's an article on the Metro by a writer called Miranda Kane called Rubberists, a beginner's guide to the fetish for wearing rubber. And she asks, people who wear rubber, rubberists, what they feel is the appeal. So one says, the feeling of contentment and freedom when wearing skin-type rubber really does it for me. And someone else says it's the sweet aroma of good quality rubber. Well, it's strange because Gary says that it's not the texture for him. He doesn't really seem to know where it came from. (laughs) Wouldn't it be really warm? Just from a practical standpoint. And this is Southern California. That is not a cold part of the world. There's one point where they're talking about it being 104 degrees. Guaranteed someone has fainted. Someone has had... (laughs) heat stroke at the middle of one of these while wearing that get up with the dildo nose fell straight into some of the snacks laid out by margaret (laughs) gary shows off what he describes as the pony chair using his diy skills exactly well i'm not surprised because according to sextoycollective.com a guide to the best sex chairs these chairs can reach up to two thousand dollars to buy what yeah so Gary, as well as being a model employee at B&Q, is also economically sound. He knows what he's doing. But all the pony chair is, as Gary reveals, is a table upside down with a foam pad on it so you don't get a numb bum. And as Louis goes on to demonstrate, the idea is that someone, but probably a woman, 
sits on the foam pad and puts her legs up around the legs of the table, which are pointing upright, so that she can keep her legs elevated and she doesn't have to worry about it. But Louis says that he feels vulnerable in that position. Yeah, and Gary says, exactly. Very sinister thing to say that. Louis then says, how do you explain this stuff if you have friends and family over to stay? And Gary, again, continuing with the sinister theme, says, well, I just lock the door. This is it. I think this becomes the whole theme of the episode, this double life element. So the idea that people have these very normal suburban lives. And even in the first kind of opening shots of the documentary, we see people mowing lawns and pottering around their everyday lives. But the question is, how many houses in America have these locked doors with scuba gear behind them? As someone who lives in London, I have two rooms in my whole place. I I don't have the space for a locked scuba room. I mean, I guess you could have a pony chair and just use it as a normal table the rest of the time yeah eat my dinner off it (laughs) then flip it (laughs) if you were gary and margaret's friend or family member every time you went round to their house you'd just be like what is in that locked room why have they never mentioned this room why is it always locked have they got a person in there but it's fine because i think gary and margaret have quite a bit of space and other areas to kind of shepherd their family when over and they talk a bit about the group room again and gary explains that that is also used by the family to perhaps nap after an afternoon barbecue. Dear God. What a beautiful image. I like to imagine those people watching this documentary episode <laughs> and finding out. I lay down in there after having some ribs and I didn't know what I was lying in. It's not actually talked about in the episode, so I don't know for sure. I assume that Gary and Margaret don't have any kids. It isn't mentioned at all. Perhaps they do. Perhaps they've left home. Maybe this is empty nest syndrome. How do you fill a house once the children leave? You build a scuba room. Just fill their bedrooms with... uh... Dildo-nosed masks. (laughs) (laughs) That old chestnut. So the rest of the house, Louis points out, is full of TVs. Gary says, oh, it's sort of a staple of swinging parties. You have to have porn on or adult films, as he calls it, in the background. And it's quite good because it can help you to spark conversation. Louis says, so give me an example. It's like, that guy's attractive or something. No, no, that's not Gary's line. Well, I wouldn't say that, but... Yeah, no, he's really adamant that that's not what he would say. He says he would say... Boy, you know, that's, those are enormous breasts. Which is a classic conversation starter. I actually very briefly misunderstood this and didn't realise he meant in reference to a film. And I thought that was just like his opening line with a woman. At the bus stop <laughs> in the supermarket. So he says this and Louis, as deadpan as you like, describes that as... That's yeah. good, yeah. yeah. Good conversation starter. Yeah. Again, can't imagine Louis ever saying that to anyone, but... Would quite like to hear it. Then we go on to the outside. So the house is pretty massive. Like this tour is dragging on. And there's a unit that they built outside, which is just full of single beds and also another group sex area. It's generally quite terrifying. My notes I've wrote, mad creepy bunker. Feels a bit like the whole of Scientology fame. Mm Mm-hmm. Also, Louis's head is nearly touching the ceiling. Louis says at one point in this, he's 6'2", so I think it's about 6'3", the height of the ceilings. Which is, yeah, pretty bunkerish. But there's a curtain to hide your privacy, so that's nice, I suppose. As we find out later, the curtains aren't used too much. No. Louis talks about how he would feel embarrassed, or how do you get over the embarrassment of propositioning people for sex, I suppose, at one of these parties. And Gary just says, oh, you get over it, you just kind of have to get over it pretty quickly, so... That's the plan. Just don't think about it. Yeah, that's Louis with a very British sentiment. How do you get over the general embarrassment of asking to be involved in sex? 
it's not just the outside survival bunker that they have. They've also got a massive swimming pool and jacuzzi in their back garden. Right. So now I'm seeing where all the renovation work went because this is actually a, quite a nice pool. It's really nice. Louis is a big fan of the pool. And then just as Louis sort of saying, well, this is really lovely, Gary goes, lots of sex happens in the pool. Gary then explains that this is possible because it has a really good filter system. <laughs> so it's hygienic. It's fine. If he hadn't installed that good filter, no sex would have been happening out in this area. Thank God for his work for SeaWorld, where he is part of a large corporation. Very unethical, though, so don't support SeaWorld. I think Louis at this point asks, so what happens at the parties? Like, are you out here? Are you in the house? How do you generally operate? And Gary says that he stays outside during the parties. He likes to be out in the pool, whereas Margaret stays inside and kind of runs things, the business side of it. It reminded me of that interview with Theresa May and her husband, where she talks about boys' jobs and girls' jobs. I get to decide when I take the bins out. Not if I take the bins out. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, of There's course... boys' jobs and girls' jobs, you see. There's boys' oh, jobs really? and girls' jobs. But in this case monitoring the sex outside <laughs> making sure the filter hasn't broken boy's job margaret's like stirring the macaroni cheese girl's job yeah and then it cuts perfectly to the next scene which is louis chumming margaret along to the supermarket to do a girl's job which is buying all the food for the party not any supermarket vons value supermarket i am a huge fan of supermarkets in foreign countries and love to spend time there. Well, I heard that Louis is making a documentary on US supermarkets and how different they are to British shops. Yeah, I heard we don't have large supermarkets in Britain. So says Margaret in her cover story. We'll get to that. But first, Vons Valley Supermarket. It is 114 years old, founded in 1906, was set up by the Danish-American Charles von der A. And the slogan at the time was, Vons's value. And I was trying to think of what the UK equivalent of this would be, and I'm kind of going towards Lidl. Yeah, maybe like a Safeway at this time. Well, the interesting is part of the Safeway Group, which is an American brand. That's all I've got on Vons, so I was just very interested. I'd be curious to know how much the shop cost if it's a value supermarket, because they buy a lot of stuff, specifically food and drink. Louis does ask, will we be buying any condoms for the swinging party? And Margaret says, no, that would get expensive. Guests bring their own. Maybe one of the most heartwarming moments of this episode is next, where Louis and Margaret go around the supermarket together. And there's quite a nice little montage where they almost have like a mother and son moment. We see Louis lifting a watermelon above his head. Where was that manly strength when workers depended on him in the survivalist movement? Nowhere to be seen. And then my favourite bit was when Louis put some sausages in the centre of the trolley and Margaret kind of scolds him and says... Well, we're going to save this section here for the sodas. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we want to put these up here. Sorry That's fine. That. That's okay. <laughs> That's such a... Cl- I mean, your mum actually would say stuff like that to you in the supermarket, though. I used to get criticised for packing the bags wrong, like, so heavily. But I just thought this was nice because normally Louis has, like, a dad in every episode, a father figure... And I think this is one of the first times, maybe one of the only times that he has a mum figure. He doesn't flirt with Margaret in the same way that he flirted with Anne Lee or some of our other favourite ladies. There are moments, but you're right, it's it's fairly minimal in terms of the flirting. We know that Louis is like catnip to the older lady, but this doesn't seem to be how that relationship is set up. Well, there might be a reason, because after sort of chatting to Margaret in the supermarket about swinging, where Margaret reveals she's been swinging since the 70s, Bear in mind, this is 1999 now, so 
That's quite a long time. 30 years nearly. Louis asks, do people ever ask why you're buying so much food? What do you tell them? And Margaret says, oh, I just tell them that we're having a pool party. Because she buys so much food. There's an incredible buffet at a swingers party. Gary and Margaret really put on a spread. You know how some people go to the casino just so that they can get the food? It feels like that situation. Maybe I would go if the food was good enough. I know someone who ate a full lasagna at 3am in a casino. I used to go to a specific one because they did roll over hot dogs. Oh, man. You shouldn't be basing your decisions on whether you go to a casino or what food they do, but it does help. Don't gamble, just eat rollover hot dogs. Louis asks Margaret at this point, what would happen if you were just honest? You just told them we're having a swingers party. She really doesn't like this suggestion. She says people would freak out. They'd freak out if they knew the truth. It was touched on before with Gary seeming quite sheepish about his own fetish. They're both simultaneously quite open and happy to talk about it, but also quite ashamed of it, or they really don't want people to know about it. There's an element of this could be damaging to them, which I think is played upon quite a lot throughout the documentary. And Louis really pushes the boundary of what he can say and how he can say it in front of people and how much he can kind of expose what they do. One of the moments we see is literally the moment after this, the cashier is there helping them scan their goods she's a middle-aged lady and louis does this ridiculous stage whisper where he goes to margaret okay go go ahead no if she wants to come to the party no margaret seems very nervous about this she's really not happy but louis is winding her up he definitely knows that he shouldn't be talking about this but he is and (laughs) making things worse i think margaret has made up her really crap cover story about how the documentary is about large supermarkets in america to which louis then plays completely dumb uh we're doing a documentary on american grocery stores uh, and how big they are for england because english people don't have anything this big yeah. I mean, is that I mean, we were just giving her a cover story. Mm-hmm. Why? Because it sounds good. Yeah, why? <laughs> What's the matter? <laughs> Nothing. You were, were you telling lies? No. Fibs? No. We're not doing a documentary. No. <laughs> it sounds quite BBC4, that documentary. Like I say, I'm a fan, so I'd probably watch that. Yeah, I mean, I'd give it a watch. I don't know whether it's quite Louis' area. It'd maybe be Greg Wallace. Margaret's pretty annoyed in the car park outside when they're putting all the shopping in the car. She's pretty angry. And Louis says what we were thinking too, that it's a shame that she can't be open about who she is and what she's doing. And she sort of loses it with him a little bit and says, well, you know... I want to be able to come back here and shop without being judged. I don't want people to gossip about me. And that's what would happen if I tried to invite people to a swingers party. Absolutely. And, th- and I think she's totally got a point there. This is her local community. What she does within the confines of her own home doesn't really matter to the people on the street that she lives. I can see why she would want to keep that as a separate thing. I think Louis quite enjoys playing on the deceit element of it, the, the idea that they are having this big party, and but what is it for and no one knows. And Margaret says, You just can't go up to somebody and say, why don't you come to a screw party? 
I found something quite interesting, which was an LA Times article from the year before by a guy called Adrian Maher, who talks about there was loads of factors which resulted in the boom of swinging in the 90s. One was the number of First Amendment legal victories over the last two decades regarding sexual matters meant people had more freedom to kind of pursue unorthodox lifestyles. And they also talk about the boom of the internet. This is the real dawn of online messages and the internet culture, which eventually becomes a huge driving factor in this whole movement. Adrian makes a really good point, which is the rise of swinging is a backlash against the angst-ridden sexual hibernation of the AIDS-ridden 80s. And it's an empowerment of women, social, political and sexual. So it's emboldening women to pursue their sexual interests, which is a really interesting point. I think it's interesting the the point about it being fueled by the internet, though, because from what... I can gather from this episode that's not how people hear about Margaret and Gary's swingers party. It seems to be like a sort of word of mouth phone call situation. I'm not sure how they advertise or maybe it has just been going on for so long that they build a reputation. Yeah, it is interesting. How do people find each other in these times before you could go on Twitter or go on a Google search and find this within minutes? How did they do the first one? That's what I want to know. It was just Gary and Margaret sitting in separate vicinities of the household. Yeah, I mean, presumably there weren't that many people there. It would have just been friends or... I'd be curious to know about that. God's sake, Louis, go back in time and ask them. Sadly, the all the way through budget doesn't quite stretch to a time machine. So my next plan was to speak to an expert on swinging. I had a chat with Dr. Edward Fernandez, who's an associate professor of psychology, a social psychologist and also a sexologist. And he's been researching, studying and getting to know swingers for a good long while now. So he was able to tell me about the history of it, as well as how things have moved on since Louis filmed Weird Weekends. My name is Edward Fernandez. Um, I'm Canadian. I am a professor of social psychology and sexology. I've been doing research on swingers probably for the last 25, 30 years. I've written many articles. I've done 12 bona fide studies and I keep in contact with the swinging community, if you can call it a community. So I get invited to a lot of swingers conventions. I do a lot of workshops for swingers clubs. I also consult with some therapists in terms of dealing with uh, swinging couples or swinging individuals. What's the kind of demographic of people who are swingers? It's really interesting because traditionally swinging as a term and as a lifestyle came of age in the 60s. And perhaps at that time, it was true that swingers were more likely to be found within suburban areas, not so much in the larger cities. They took great pains not to be found out, I guess. Swinging has changed completely in the last probably 30 years or so, to the point now that swinging today, I actually even question the term swingers or swinging, does it really mean anything? Because societal values have changed. People have become much more permissive in terms of extramarital or extra dyad sexual interactions. So swinging, just like any other social event, has gone through an evolution or a metamorphosis, if you like. 50s, 60s, yeah, suburban was a place to find them. Nowadays, they're everywhere. The history is quite interesting to me. What was the starting point of the swinging lifestyle? Well, we quite often get tied in with terminology. What is swinging? That's the question. Swinging basically is a social sexual activity or behavior in which traditionally emotionally committed couples, quote unquote married couples, participated in with full consent of both parties. 
So if you look at it from that perspective, it has always existed. Go back to the Egyptians, go back to the Greeks, go back to the Romans, and you'll find it right there. Obviously, it wasn't called swinging. During the Second World War, with the establishment of groups, specifically amongst aviators, that would support each other. So basically, the idea was that, well, if, if I die and you take care of my wife, well, even if I don't die, you can take care of my wife regardless. <laughs> so uh, it was more of a sharing that took place and sort of carried on into the 50s and into the 60s. And in California, with the establishment of a resort that was specifically designed to allow people to wife swap, which was a term used. By the mid-70s, women took exception to that because, well, if you're swapping me, that means I'm your property. Well, forget it, buddy. You're not swapping me. We are just exchanging partners. So that's basically how we look at swinging nowadays. People exchange partners. The term swingers comes from the British uh, in terms of the swinging 60s. So the term was adopted and it's sort of carried on. There's been many attempts to come up with other terms like play couples or swing couples, and those things have really have never stuck. By around the mid-1990s, there was another evolution that happened in terms of the sexual sharing of partners, which became known as it is now known as polyamory. Well, polyamory has nothing to do with swinging. Completely different aspects of the same behavior, if you like. Is it still taboo or is it more popular than ever or has it not really changed? It's just sort of more known about when I first started doing research on swingers, it was estimated that about four to five million swingers existed in North America. That number's probably gone up to maybe 15, 18 million. And the way we estimate these things, because obviously we can't go around and count them all. So what we do is we look at how many swingers clubs there are, what is the memberships in the swingers clubs, how many new clubs come up. And most clubs are quite willing to tell you what their membership is. Also, there are many online swinger sites. So you can actually go and sort of estimate numbers and you can put it all together and come up with the overall estimation of the population per se. Is there anything that you think people should know about swinging in the modern era? I wrote an article actually not very long ago for one of the swingers magazines. I called it the new swingers, which is the under 35 crowd. And they are bringing into swinging a lot of the things that are now relevant in society, things like consent and this and that and the other. Swingers have always been about consent, because if you don't consent, nothing's going to happen. And the other thing that is perhaps most interesting to me and has always fascinated me, swinging is all about the women. It's not about the guys. The women control. Very much like you find in King, it's about the women. The sub controls the dom, not the dom controls the sub. This is not a forced event. This is an event which people go in sharing fantasies and sharing the ability to enjoy each other through their interaction with others. Has it opened up to LGBT in more recent years? What you find is that over 68% of all women in swinging consider themselves bi-curious or bi-friendly. Of course, these are all terminologies that are kind of a little weird outside of the swinging lifestyle. On the other side of the coin, for the longest time, Bisexual men were not welcome in swinging at all. That has changed probably in the last 10 years or so. You see more and more and more ads in which the couple advertises themselves as being both bi. Are there many lesbians in swinging? Not really. Are there many gays in swinging? Not really. But they have their own modalities, which they don't call swinging. Swinging has never been close to any community because of somebody's sexual orientation per se. Yes, men were shunned if they were bi, but not any longer. 
It's an evolution of society. So swinging evolves as society evolves. Next, Louis is going with Gary and Margaret to one of these famous yard sales. And I think possibly Margaret has told Gary that Louis was trying to out her at the supermarket. And Gary's very clear to Louis, like, we can't talk about what the party actually is. Like, I don't want my neighbours to know. They know we have parties, but they don't know what goes on. And then Louis builds a hypothetical scenario about finding a bed cover where he asks, could I say, this is perfect, Gary. You could definitely get three people having sex on this. (laughs) Which is a very normal thing for anyone to say. But this is interesting because Louis treads a fine line here. Obviously, he's built a bond of trust with Gary and Margaret, but there is a line between fun and intimidation. There is the fact that Louis has the power here to out them to their neighbours and could make their life difficult. Yeah, and it's also a fine line between fun and making fun of them. So they go off to these yard sales in the neighbour. There's quite a few different ones. Louis gets his cover story straight first, though. It's a documentary about yard sales. He's a real fan of a cover story, is Louis. A documentary about yard sales, I'll say that's probably daytime telly, maybe BBC Two. I'd probably get David Dickerson in to present that one. He'd do a good job. Louis tells everyone very loudly wherever they go, that they are making a documentary about yard sales, just so everyone knows. I kept a quick itinerary of the things they decided they didn't need, what they might need, and then the things that they got from the yard sale. So things they didn't need, flippers, an NFL football phone, and a chain link fence. (laughs) Chain link fence made me laugh. All suggested by Margaret, and then Gary would just go, no. Things they might potentially need, lights, not against it for the outside. And bathrobes. They have a quick look at bathrobes. Secondhand bathrobes is a, a very dodgy area. Yeah, you need to buy all those. And then from what I could gather, the things they got was a plant, a cowboy hat, I think a chopping board. And then I couldn't get over this. I couldn't quite decide what the image was, but it was a circular box with what looked like James Stewart's face from It's a Wonderful Life. It looked like a tin or something, didn't it? Yeah, but a huge tin with James Stewart on. What would you keep in that? If I am in the middle of a group room session and then I turn around and see the face of Jimmy Stewart from morality film It's a Wonderful Life, that's going to give me all sorts of issues. I quite like Jimmy Stewart. Is that weird? Oh, no. Handsome man. No no doubt. But that film is all about being good and doing the right thing. And it would just send me off on a very different path, I think. <laughs> I did think it was a bit mean the way that Gary shot down all of Margaret's suggestions. I mean, maybe they do need a chain link fence. Who knows? There is very little time that we see with Gary and Margaret together in this. And that has only just dawned on me, but they seem to be interviewed quite often separately. Yeah. And the way they interact here seems a bit off. Yeah. Another mother-son moment when Margaret has Louis try on a shirt. And then I guess the implication is he arrives at the party with the shirt buttoned and then later on he unbuttons it and just wears it like that. This was disconcerting to say the least. You know what though? It's the best fitting shirt he wears in this entire series. So Louis asks as they're walking home with their plant and their cowboy hat and their Jimmy Stewart box slash tin, why they go to so much effort for the parties. I mean, they've obviously spent a reasonable amount of money on food and drink and they're buying things they're doing up their house and gary just immediately says well i mean you haven't seen the women who come to the parties yet they're very nice margaret less sure again margaret seems to be very much in the administration role louis sort of points out that margaret doesn't seem as convinced and and gary says well some of the men are nice too (laughs) 
Gary, it pains to say any man is attractive. It's almost too much. Yeah, it's very defensive. So we're back at the house. Back at the house and Gary's answering a call from a prospective couple. So he asks them about themselves, makes sure they are part of a couple. And he spells out the rules of swinger parties, which are no heavy drinking, no drugs at all, politeness and niceness. Which is quite a decent set of rules, really. Louis asks about the idea of screening people based on their attractiveness. And Gary's very against this. He says any couple should be able to attend whatever they want. And he says all sizes, shapes and ethnic backgrounds. So obviously Gary is totally fine for this to be a really inclusive environment, which maybe is not the case. And we see this later on with other groups that are out there. It's actually, it's pretty good. I mean, as much as I do think Gary's a big perv, he he does have the right attitude, I think. The perv with a heart of gold. They have a moment, not a father-son moment. I wouldn't say that Gary and Louis ever get there, but Louis feels like he's passed Gary's initial test and Gary agrees and he says that Louis's got a good attitude and he asks good questions, which is why they like him. You would think that his questions would get a bit annoying, but... But also the fact that he asks questions, duh. He is there as a documentary reporter, for God's sake. Louis asks about him attending the swinging party because as he's already laid out in the intro to the episode the idea is that ultimately he goes to a swinging party and sees if he wants to take part in the lifestyle and gary says that he has to come as part of a couple so he'd have to bring a girl with him and louis (laughs) talks about how he's quite fascinated by the group room and the idea of group sex he's drawn to it Gary sort of tries to caution him and say, rather than jumping in at the deep end, you should just dip a toe in and see how you go. What I thought was interesting was the kind of ethical quandary that Louis spells out. He says, I feel like I'm going beyond being a reporter and I feel like I'm making a leap into the world of swinging as a full-fledged participant. Which again is the kind of gonzo journalism element that we go for with these Weird Weekend episodes. We want to see Louis get involved and that's the point. Louis says goodbye and his farewell messages. Next time I see you, we won't be wearing anything or just little towels. So he's committed. He's in. But first, he's going to find other swingers clubs that maybe will accept single men. And uh, Louis wearing a tactical turtleneck. He's got a jaunty polar neck on. They cut to the scene. It's a group of apartments called Plaza Woods. And they play the Star Trek opening theme tune, which is potentially a nod to Gary's posters. I wondered if this was a nod to the idea of William Shatner being a swinger. I didn't know that William Shatner was a swinger. Well, this is it. I wasn't sure. So I had a Google. And apparently in an interview with Chicago Magazine back in 2012, he spoke to a report called Emmett Sullivan. He said, you've been to Chicago for what are some of the memories that stand out to you about the city? He said... I've been in a swingers apartment and I didn't realise it was a swingers apartment. My wife and I went to an apartment. There was somebody said we could use for the weekend. It was an experience. The reporter asks, were there swingers there? It was empty, but it was filled with cameras and paraphernalia. We crept out of there. Two little innocents from wicked Los Angeles. So Shatner, not a swinger. Just a room full of scuba gear. Oh, it's it's quite wholesome from Shatner, actually. Yeah, which you you don't always expect, but that is nice to hear Bill Shatner was being quite innocent. Louis is in his jaunty polo neck, and he's going to meet someone from the Cibrian Club, where single guys are welcome, it's described. And it's run by a guy called Don, who we never meet. No, but he gets talked about a lot in a bit of a culty manner. I tried to find any information I could about the Cibrian Club. There is very little out there. The one thing I did find was there is a post address for the Sibrian Club and it's in Seal Beach, California. Why does Seal Beach ring a bell? 
Because that's the home of Dr. Wynn from the infomercials episode. Oh, man. Do you think Dr. Wynn is friends with Don? I don't know, but it makes you think that maybe they were filming these two episodes in tandem. Could be. The Cibrian Club doesn't feature either. Maybe it's not a physical place, but it doesn't itself feature in the episode. So maybe it just never existed. Maybe not. But we get introduced to Kara who is the club hostess. And she is a woman in her late 20s, early 30s, I'd say. Seems young. Quite a retro fashion sense and likes Winnie the Pooh. (laughs) Yeah, her entire apartment is kitted out in Winnie the Pooh stuff. She also owns quite a few sex-related books, which Louis has a look through. One of them that he highlights is called The Ethical Slut. And Louis takes great pleasure in reading out some of the chapter names, including Slut Styles group sex and orgies and he's just doing that little smirk thing where you can tell that he's loving talking about this the ethical slut by the way was written by people called dossie easton and janet hardy and the idea of the book was to reclaim the word slut slut is defined in the book as a person of any gender who has the courage to lead life according to the radical proposition that sex is nice and pleasure is good for you and get on board with that Exactly. Louis says that it feels a bit like Kara treats sex as a research project because she has all these books and she says, well, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it properly. And then there is a cute moment where Louis says, well, I admire your... And then Kara says, tenacity. They're finishing each other's... (laughs) Sentences? No, sandwiches. I was trying to decide if there was a bit of flirting here or not. I didn't really think so, but... I thought that was a bit of a spark, I'll be honest. They're about the right sort of age. So Kira and Louis go in the car and they're heading to do some shopping, but we don't find that out till later. And Louis takes the time to ask her about being in the lifestyle and being a swinger. She says it isn't about having sex with lots of people. She doesn't actually have sex at swing parties. She says there are lots of other things you can do, including oral sex and kissing. And then they have a bit of a debate about whether oral sex is sex or not. But she says that Don, who is the mystery cult leader that we never meet, says that swinging is 20% nurturing, 60% sex and 20% socialising. So the nurturing thing is something that Louis talks about quite a lot. Yeah, an interesting concept is basically the idea of showing compassion, closeness, validating people but not through full sex. I think a couple of examples are holding hands and just sort of acting in a caring manner. And again, Kara stresses that she avoids actually having sexual intercourse at these parties. I kind of feel like maybe the definition of swinging has changed or maybe our perceptions of sex has changed, but isn't she just like a single person that doesn't want to have a relationship does that really make her a swinger no probably not but i suppose what makes her a swinger is that she is part of these swinger parties even if she is not actively a participant she's still a part of the lifestyle i guess yeah and she even talks about her own sexuality saying that she's bi curious which in her definition just means that she's not quite sure how she feels about same-sex relationships. She's possibly gay borderline is how she defines it. Louis kind of does a what does that actually mean sort of point, but I suppose bi-curious is now a pretty established concept in mainstream parlance. Exactly. Kara's quite adamant that she thinks Louis should go to a swingers party to experience it. And he's talking about the fact that she's a single woman as a swinger and she's quite unusual and she agrees that she is and it means that she's more in demand with other swingers i suppose 
And Louis asks if there's a downside to that. And Kerry kind of waves this off as Louis being old fashioned, which is interesting because actually that's probably a more modern way of looking at it as of now. The idea of consent and also the kind of role of power in these relationships, I suppose. It's interesting as well that Louis does say it's not just men who she's more likely to be preyed on, but couples as well. And again, if there is this nurturing, caring angle to it then you could see how you could almost get groomed as like a single woman by a man or a couple i think louis got a point yeah i think so too but it's interesting to see the sexual politics of the day i suppose care is obviously the free thinking more modern person in this scenario but maybe her view of it has slightly dated with the time so they get to where they're going and it's clothes shopping for louis first of all sorry one thing to note oh sorry this was really important Someone clearly shouts fuck you from their car in this bit. I heard that as well. And it was almost like they tried to block it out and they actually made it more obvious. Then they head into the mall to get away from the baying crowds after Louis' blood. This is quite a fun little scene. I enjoyed it. She's chosen a shirt for him and she's kind of showing it to the camera and saying, Ooh, I'm liking this. What do you think? For Louis? Says he's going for the mild look. It's impressive that Karen knows what the mod look is. I don't know how much that translated over to the States. But then, confusingly, she says to Louis, it kind of goes with the bowling thing. Yeah, so I think Louis wants to be a bowling mod. Don't know how many mods there are that are into bowling. Kingpin Paul Weller or something. I don't know how this kind of works together, but apparently it does. She also describes a lot of things as primo if she really likes them, which I thought was fun. LA slang. Yeah, really nice. I'm going to bring that back in a big way. Primo. Louis goes to try on this black shirt that Kara's picked out for him, comes out and complains that he thinks it's too big and that his neck looks like a pencil. He's not wrong. She says it's the style. The idea of the clothes is that they need to express a sexual wanting. And the words she gives him to follow are... It has to be sexy, cuddly and warm. She explains that the Cibrian Club puts a lot of emphasis on appearance, which Louis compares to the way that Gary and Margaret approach their swinger parties, which is that they don't discriminate. And again, Kara seems to have been brainwashed a little bit by Dawn and says, well, you know, Dawn always says there are a lot of dog shows, meaning that people are ugly, which is horrible. And she says that they have a system where they rate people out of 10 and that's how they decide who is the upper tier of the Cibrian club and who can even be in it. So they say that they have these club 10 parties with the people who are rated 10 for the most appealing people to get together. And the rating system is made up by your appearance, sociability, social status and intelligence. It's quite a discriminating group of characteristics and easy to fall into some horrible stereotypes there, I reckon. She even uses the phrase upper class when she talks about them. But then she kind of does the charm offensive when Louis says, can Don rate me? And she says, well, I could rate you and tells him that he would be an eight or a nine. And then he tries on a bucket hat to try and push that over to 10. Louis leaves Kara and he's decided that the Cibrian club isn't for him. We never meet Don. Don remains faceless, an idea more than a person. Again, another argument that the Cibrian club isn't actually a real thing. <laughs> But Louis does want to go to a swinger party and he's going to go to Gary and Margaret's. So to follow the rules, he needs to take a girl with him. And obviously the normal way to find a girl to go to a sex party with when you're in a city that you don't live in is to phone up the local newspaper and place an ad. This scene was probably one of my favourite scenes in the whole thing. Louis is standing in the middle of a busy road at a payphone, placing his classified ad, and you see him across the road, that they play the recording of the phone call. English, 
TV presenter seeks swinging partner for entree into the lifestyle. I don't know if you noticed what Louis is wearing when he's phoning up about the ad. It's the shirt that was rejected by the president of the Home Shopping Network in the last episode. No. <gasps> Incredible. It's the orange shirt with the embroidery on it. That's so funny. I didn't pick that up. That's hilarious. He really loves that shirt. Well, she said you can enjoy it at home and he decided he could enjoy it at a payphone. He can enjoy it at Gary and Margaret's home. Hi, this is Louis Theroux from the BBC. Thanks for calling. Please leave a message telling me a little bit about yourself, what you're looking for and your name and number after the beep. Thanks very much. After this, they play a number of the answer phone messages from many women and some men as well that got in touch about Louis' advert. Some are fun, some are less fun. I noted down some of my favourite responses. There was a stripper named Tiger, a woman who claimed to be introverted and extroverted, depending on the day, a slim redhead with mysterious green eyes, and then, yeah, the bi-curious man who said, I'm not a woman, but I am a bi-curious man. But then we find Laura, who describes herself as 40 years old, lived on Venice Beach for a year. She says she's athletic, she loves outdoor sports. She's a retired retail executive likes music, books, and especially sex. And the little montage that this plays over is basically of Louis and Laura speed going through a relationship by the looks of it. They meet up for a run. They're cooking dinner together in the kitchen, like laughing. She's getting him to open jars for her. I mean, you could be led to believe that they had like a bit of an actual romance before they went to the swinging party together. Laura seems like one of the nicest people in this whole documentary. She oozes a real kind of confidence. She doesn't make a fuss. She seems to put Louis at ease at a number of occasions. I'm a big fan of Laura. I like her as well. She clearly doesn't get too flustered by anything. She drives Louis to the swinging party after, we're not sure how long they knew each other before that. I imagine it was probably one day. I think it was three years. I think they probably (laughs) really bedded him in there. On the way, Louis thanks Laura and reveals to her that he's only allowed to go to the swing party because she's going with him because he has to be part of a couple. And she says that she's done this before for married friends. She's gone with the man in a couple to swinging parties, which I think Louis is a bit shocked by the idea that your friends could share their partners. But yeah, like you say, she's very relaxed about it, very open about it. And yeah, it just makes it all feel very normal and accepted. I think the nervous energy that you get from watching Margaret and Gary, like you can tell that they're quite ashamed about it on some level. And Laura just seems like she's come to terms with it and she's quite open about it. While they're in the car, Louis talks about his boundaries as a journalist. Will they be respected? And Laura says, yeah, they will be. But you haven't even made the decision where you're going to join in yet. So this is kind of the thing that keeps you watching. Is Louis going to get involved? Will he be a swinger? Laura stresses that not everybody participates, even if they do go fully intending to. So there's very little pressure. He seems nervous, though, and he's kind of standing at the door. And she explains there will be a spark that kind of sets things off. He's not going to walk into a room full of naked people writhing around. And when they arrive, it is just a very middle class domestic scene. They open the door. Gary and Margaret are there. They do a very formal shake hands. And then there's an awkward bit of administration where Margaret explains that it's $30 per couple and then $30 for a membership card as well. Which lasts for 10 years, the membership card. 
once you're in you're in also just to make it even more like an actual pool party they bring food everybody's brought food with them even though margaret bought like the entirety of vaughn's supermarket <laughs> they've brought more food someone will probably eat a whole lasagna just because there's that much food at the party it's not totally divorced from just very normal dinner party settings i suppose obviously as soon as you bring laura in gary is there to greet her and immediately starts asking her about her past experience with swinging and then she kind of reels off the list of all the different places that she's been to he's very impressed by this he says that she'll have to show him the ropes kind of thing so many sparks flying yeah you can definitely tell that gary at least is very into it although laura seems open to gary laura and louis kind of move off into the party and it's almost like laura is showing louis how to do things like she introduces herself to a couple that she likes the look of and then louis comes over and says oh i'll say hello to them as well so it's very much like he's relying on her to show him how to behave they kind of sit around and the idea is that you say hello to people and you talk to people and louis is shaking hands and doing his hi louis nice to meet you which is now his trademark is this where the classic hi louis nice to meet you introduction starts yeah i hope so he's picked it up from a swingers party one of the people that starts talking to louis is a woman called dotty who's at the party with her husband dan and dotty's quite into louis i think quite early on they toast swinging and then they also toast initiations because she finds out that it's louis first time and then she says to him you have to tell us what your fantasy is so that we can help you enact it louis fantasy is making it out of the evening alive i mean a seamless link from there cuts from that to gary showing laura all of his rubber fetish paraphernalia and she's very politely nodding Gary's telling her about his mundane scuba fantasies. At one point, he describes himself as wacky when he's talking to her. But they cut to occasional things. There is nudity. There is sex happening around while these conversations go on. I really don't get Gary initially calling his fetishes mundane and then describing them as wacky and bizarre. I feel like he has to soft play the dildo nose. Oh, she's already seen it. So, you know, it's just your standard dildo nosed mask. No biggie. <laughs> I wonder if he's doing that thing where he'll say whatever to impress her. He's trying to get a read on what she wants. If she wants him to be wacky and bizarre, he'll be wacky and bizarre. Yeah, I'm just your standard mundane guy, but I'm also wacky. Uh, just covering all the bases. I'm an introvert, but occasionally I'll be extroverted. Gary kind of takes Laura away for a little while and then her and Louis catch up with each other. And Louis asks, have you been propositioned by anyone for sex? And she says, yes. And Louis says, oh, I missed that. <laughs> And then she also says that she might dress up in one of Gary's rubber suits. They've discussed that. So maybe it was the dildo nose one. We don't know. We don't know. While this is going on and Laura is kind of ingratiating herself with the party and getting propositions, Louis just seems to be walking around grinning with a cup. I have written here, is he a bit pissed? Because he is doing the grinning quite a bit. It's hard to say. Louis ventures into... The group room. Oh, actually, it's the garden shed Scientology hole. He's with a random woman who says, you don't have to do anything you don't want to, okay? So there is a real culture of a language of consent here, even from people that he doesn't really know. He's fully clothed and he says, well, I don't think anything's going to happen to me. I'm fully clothed. And she says, well, there's a lot of things we can do when you're fully clothed. <laughs> so they go into the terrifying sex dungeon and nobody else is fully clothed. Everybody's very, very naked in there. Some people seem a little bit shocked that the camera's there, but then they kind of just carry on anyway. Bear in mind that the camera has a light on it in order to be able to film in the dark, so it would be quite blinding if it was shining in your face. There's lots of touching and a few 
sexy moments on screen and probably a lot that we didn't see as well. From what you can see in the documentary, Louis basically just almost immediately turns around and just walks out again and he looks really disturbed. He looks totally spooked by what he saw and then he runs into Gary and Laura and talks about seeing this scene and while he's talking to them, they are arm in arm touching each other and then Louis says he needs to feel like he gets involved because the party is passing me by. Oh God, so relatable there. Poor Louis. Yeah, he says it isn't going to plan and there's a lot of shots of him just kind of sitting on his own, drinking again and and looking quite freaked out. So to combat this, his last effort to take part is that he strips off all of his clothes and jumps into the pool naked. He does. He dives in and starts speaking to an older gentleman with a foreign accent. He's asking, is this swinging? The old man says no. But that's okay. He explains this is all right. You have to be emotionally and psychologically prepared to get involved in swinging. And he says that this takes time. Iconic quote from this man. You have to feel totally free, like you are alone with a woman in the desert. (laughs) For all walks of life, I think. That's how you should feel. It didn't hit me until right now, but Louis does literally jump into the deep end, or attempts to, and he still does not take part in the swinging lifestyle. He doesn't. He comes back to Margaret who is doing busy work. She's tidying plates. She's putting things in the dishwasher. And there is definitely a sense of comfort in kind of returning to her. It's almost like hanging out with the dinner ladies at lunchtime at school. She's changed her outfit. So she's wearing something that kind of looks like a dressing gown or a nightie or that kind of thing. But she says that she didn't swing that night. She was too tired to do it. And Louis says, yeah, it seems like you didn't have any fun either. And then he says, give me an errand to do. There is that comfort in coming back to the domestic tasks, which I just found utterly heartbreaking. So it cuts from Margaret loading the dishwasher to Gary coming in, drying himself off with a towel. And he's been in the pool rubbing a woman dressed in latex who will do anything. And he encourages Louis to go and have a chat with her. But Louis doesn't. Him and Laura are leaving the party. The question of whether her and Gary ever got together, we don't know. Incredibly awkward banter from the two of them. Yeah, they talk about spanking for taking some cookies from the party. And it's revealed there's still an hour and a half, maybe two hours to go. Louis doesn't even stay to the end. But the next morning, he goes back to help clean up. He does. And talks to Margaret about how weird it was. Yeah, he says in the voiceover that he still finds the concept of swinging incomprehensible and asks Margaret, don't you think it's weird? And she disagrees. She seems really cheery this morning compared to last night maybe she just had a good night's sleep but there's a part of me that thinks maybe she's relieved that it's over yeah and then louis asks this very weird question he says did i seem as if i was having a good time which is not the kind of thing that people usually ask when they've had a good time yeah is he trying to ask if he'd convinced everyone that he'd had a good time (laughs) i wrote down that louis wearing his yard sale shirt that margaret chose for him that's sweet so he has a chat with Gary and they they touch again on the duplicity of the lifestyle. He's kind of helping him tidy around the pool and he's like, isn't it weird that only a few hours ago there was people having sex in this area and now it's totally normal again. And Gary compares it to a wedding. He says things happen at weddings that you never would know, but we just kind of make it more out in the open. And they kind of touch on the monogamy, the faithfulness element of swinging. Originally with Margaret, Louis asks her about Laura, who he'd brought to the party. And then he says, Gary seemed to like her, spent a lot of time with her. And Margaret sort of says, yeah, you'd have to ask Gary about that. She really doesn't seem that comfortable with Gary talking about other women. Or, I mean, she seems comfortable for him to talk about it, but not in front of her. Maybe there's something in the fact that they do have their boys 
jobs and girls jobs outside of the house inside the house to make sure that they don't see what the other one does which in some ways is maybe not in the spirit of swinging because you surely do it together and you're in an agreement with what you do Gary kind of defends his own faithfulness to Margaret by saying that people set their own boundaries with this stuff and what other people consider being unfaithful he doesn't or they don't because they have their agreement about the swinging so he definitely justifies it and Margaret talks the talk I guess but the main feeling that I get and I've always got from this episode is that she's just not very happy with the setup. So then Louis is waved off Gary and Margaret standing outside the house and he's in the car and he beeps his little horn and that's the end of the episode. You think? There's some kind of credits at the end and a message on the screen says, Gary and Margaret still throw parties. Laura, Louis' date, has never been back. And I wanted to see if Gary and Margaret were still throwing parties. But the best I could find was a Reddit thread on a group called Swingers where someone called Risky Biznu asks, anyone been to Gary and Margaret's? And someone replies, I went to Gary and Margaret's a couple of weeks ago, first time. Everyone was very nice. Pool, backyard were great. The crowd is 45, 65 and older. Gary and Margaret's group have aged with them. If you're looking for a bunch of hot young people, you'll be disappointed. But if you want to hang out with a bunch of cool, nice old nudists, give it a go. There were some quite young people at the party that Louis was at, but that's clearly phased out. They also have some themed rooms, according to this. The Indiana Jones room. That's a new addition. And the Star Wars room. Gary finally got there. I want the follow-up. Do you think he's just got Star Wars bed sheets on the floor mattress? Yeah, I hope so. Or just Ewoks everywhere. And then I guess the biggest curveball of the episode happens right at the end. Holy shit. Kara comes back. We don't know how much later this happened from the filming, but she's completely 180'd on her beliefs. She's out. She's out of not only the Cyprian Club, but swinging altogether. And Louis kind of does a sit-down interview with her on a park bench somewhere. She says she's made bad decisions and that swinging isn't the lifestyle for her. Kind of adds to my theory that it was a cult and Dawn was a cult leader. She's found a relationship with a woman and this seems to be the driving force behind her decision. That you can find a good relationship and you don't need this aspect of your life. How is this not its own section? This is literally a tiny mention at the end of the documentary. The fact that they didn't even say when it had happened in relation to the original footage is mad like did she just decide this the week after they filmed or well they at least have enough time to go sit down with her and do an entire interview clearly but how is this only mentioned in the end credits i know all that time watching louis lift watermelons could have been spent finding out a bit more about kara what say you good louis or bad louis good question There was elements which I really, really liked. I think what they really try and play up is this secretive lifestyle, which is hiding behind every American picket fence. But I don't know whether it's enough. Maybe because of the years that passed, this doesn't feel as revolutionary as it maybe did at the time. So I'm going to say, just because I have to be honest, I'm going to say this is bad, Louis. Ooh, I'm going to disagree and say good, Louis. Okay. Because I think it is a subculture that, you are curious about and you do want to know more about and i don't think there are that many documentaries like this that are quite open about something like this but yeah i mean it has its flaws it's strange how much of the episode he spends just kind of antagonizing margaret and gary rather than trying to get to the root of their clearly unhappy marriage i think he did the proper weird weekends treatment on this even if he didn't actually swing he didn't actually star in porn either he at least got his kit off and dived in a pool it's more than we've done We've seen a lot of Louis Theroux's bum in the last 
couple of seasons. They loved him being naked. Just surprising. I feel like he's a very serious man with his clothes on all the time now. Look, you can only keep a turtleneck on for so long. Sometimes you have to break free. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, please follow us on social media. We're at all through pod on Instagram and Twitter. Speak to you soon.